Hey there, we're the Westlaw Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowspo. Oh, well guys, we're back. Um, we took a little bit of a break uh, as I, I think everyone <laughs> kind of wanted to walk yeah. away. It's been a uh, long couple months. It really long has. long couple months. Uh, um, we were last on like, Mid, mid-August, mid I believe, uh, when the announcement that the Big Ten was postponing the c- college football season. Um, a lot has happened since then. We should probably give a shout-out to uh, Jay of Lake the Posts for having us on his program, which kind of at least allowed some of you, hopefully, to get your pirate fix in there uh, for at least a little bit. Gave, yeah. us, gave, us, a, gave us a little bit of a, of a carryover. Little video. I don't think we've ever done video before, so that that was fun. Well, and um, for those who didn't get a chance to tune in, I mean, ba- like basically, we tried to review the 1995 upset of Notre Dame as if we were just watching it, not necessarily for the if, first time, yeah. but like going back and analyzing the game like we would a game during a season, and kind of discussing that with Jay and talking about you know some of the cool observations that we had going back to the film, and it was uh, it was re- it was really fun, and it certainly certainly filled a, a small part of the void on that opening Labor Day weekend. Uh, we're going to try and get the audio from that and put it up on our feed. So uh, keep your eyes peeled for that. Another thing you should keep your eyes peeled for is Big Ten football. Because uh, just today... Oh, yeah? Oh, tell yeah. me more. Well, um, as it turns out, <laughs> uh, Big Ten football this morning announced a return to play. Um, end of October, I think we're looking at... The uh, second to last week in October. They were saying uh, October 23rd, 24th, which leads me to believe um, that we're going to see some Friday games. Um, Schedule has not been released. Uh, It'll be our third schedule of the year. Um, We'll we'll talk about that. Uh, We got a lot to talk about tonight, obviously. Um, We're all excited. Uh, You know, we're going to talk about the, you know, what it means for the Big Ten to come back. There's some downside, or there's some definitely detractors out there um, from a, a bunch of different angles, and I, I think we, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about um, some of the potential downsides uh, to the return to play. And then uh, we're going to kind of wrap this thing up, talking a little bit what, about what it might mean for Northwestern, what it will mean for Northwestern. Um, you know, like Again, the schedule has not been released, but we've started to see some rumors on what that schedule might look like. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that and, you know, see where this conversation goes. But, uh, just to start off, I mean, there's been smoke around this fire for the past couple of days. And, you know, we were hearing over the weekend that the, uh, the medical panel, the medical committee had, you know, new information. Um, obviously the, the, with the release on, on the big 10 press release, the testing protocols that they came out with are incredible, like incredibly detailed, way more detailed than any other uh, conference that I've seen as far as uh, thresholds for canceling um, different, uh, like the daily testing, um, the the fact that the antigen testing that they're going to be doing could catch COVID before it's even transmittable, which if that's the case would make contact tracing completely irrelevant because you're able to catch uh, out your stop outbreaks before they even happen. Um, so that that's huge. If, if that's actually the case, that is absolutely massive. 
Uh, and that led the commissioners and president or the what com- commissioners and presidents of that what they call themselves um the, the presidents of the uh, the 14 schools in the big 10 to revisit their decision to uh, postpone the season uh unanimous vote um and we're back yeah i like I, and maybe we start with that unanimous vote piece because i think this is something that i think was really important and that i'll, I'll give the big 10 chancellors and presidents credit for for this um i mean the last four weeks has been a total shit show uh yeah you know to, I think to when, say to say the least yeah i mean when we recorded last you know i think one of our one of our major theses was that look this is a decision that they've made for a variety of reasons um you know we're not medical experts we don't know if this is the right decision or the wrong decision um we believe in the health of the players. We're really disappointed the season is not going to happen. But that that being said, like like what we really wish people had done differently was to try and prepare and think about ways to actually like like what could have been true to make this happen, to make this work, to make this safe. And to the Big Ten's credit, they have worked really hard in the last four weeks to try and figure that out. They're certainly aided by the emergence of some new testing technology and and methods that have have proven to um, dramatically increase the availability of rapid uh, rapid testing um, but like the the there's so much fracas about this vote that did or did not happen and I think what's interesting about the big Ten versus some of these other co- other conferences and, and 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 none of these other conferences I think have had the same level of debate for a variety of reasons but the fact that and, and I, th- I believe you can see this when you read through the testing protocols. You can see some of the give and take. And, and, and when you think about the date that they're starting and all the different rumors that we've heard, like it is clear that schools like Ohio State desperately wanted to start in October because that gives them a shot to play for the national championship. It is also clear that there were schools in the Big Ten that were really uncomfortable. And as a result, I think the Big Ten probably has both more well-defined, like you said, Sammy, but also st- more stringent testing policies for players and, and, and thresholds for um, reevaluating if, if games can happen, et cetera. And I like, I, I just, I just want to give credit <laughs> not to the process because the process has been a entire and fire, but as has but, the communication that's been the worst. Yeah. But. And the, the communication, especially, but the spirit of these 14 schools, believing that they're more than, than the sum of their parts and wanting to come together to find consensus on a way to do this as, as a group, not a, Hey, six of us are going to shut it down and six of us are, six of us are going to go forth. Not a, we're going to let our governors decide a, a, we are going to work together to figure out what we think is best for our schools and our student athletes and our coaches. And I, I think that's worth calling out and applauding <laughs> while also acknowledging all the nonsense that has circulated around that. So in that, in that vein, um, I was just trying to think about the best way to get to this today and the best way to capture um, where my own head is today, um, which, and somehow, I don't know how I arrived at this, but this is a reference that may date me, um, but if any of you are Northwestern students, younger audiences, especially if you're currently at Northwestern or recent grads, or essentially if you were a Medill student. But I thought of the documentary Roger and Me, which t- 
takes me back to it's the 80s, although I will say wow. the first time I watched this documentary was at Northwestern. The documentary was filmed in 80s. Um, for those of you who don't know, it's the probably the only Michael Moore documentary that everyone agrees is good. Uh, even, the, even the people who, well, uh, who maybe, maybe not uh, retrospectively. Yeah, but um, it's the it's the one that he filmed when he was nobody. He filmed it in his hometown of Flint, Michigan. It's about the plan of the auto workers, et cetera. And I thought of a specific scene where there's this parade in downtown Flint. I've, so I'm sure it was for a specific holiday. Um, and Miss Michigan, later Miss America, but Miss Michigan is in the parade and she's on a float and she's going down the street on her float and she's wearing her pretty dress and her hair is all done up and her makeup and everything. And Michael Moore kind of comes out of the crowd with a microphone and he's like, you know, Miss Michigan, hi, I just wanted to ask you, you know, what do you think about, you know, holding this kind of parade and everything, you know, at the same time that thousands of factory workers are being laid off and there are all these other problems and, and, you know, these horrible things are going on and, you know, but what are you just, what are your thoughts on this? And she kind of looks at him and she says, uh, this this isn't the interview yet. This is my time for enjoyment. And <laughs> Miss Michigan is me. I <laughs> I just wanted to be like today. This this is supposed to be my time for enjoyment with the football coming back and everything. And it's like you you want that right. And on one hand, you can be like can like football was just given back to us and part of you wants to just be like can't we just savor this can't we just be like players coaches players families fans everyone like they got football back in some form you just want to be able to enjoy it and then that feeling today and i'm not saying that anyone's like that we're being robbed of our enjoyment i'm saying it's just like because of everything that's gone on in the Big Ten, nationally, the debate, it's so hard in this moment to just grab at that pure positivity. Whether you want to or not, it's just difficult because there are so many things wrapped up in this. And Scuzz said it so effectively that here's a situation where I do think, you know, never minimize the fact when people talk about, hey, the SEC was able to get this done and the Big Ten didn't. Like, don't underestimate just how disparate the regions represented by the Big Ten are. And Scuzz talked about, you know, that you, you're pairing a Rutgers up with an Ohio State as if it's all, you know, hunky-dory and as if, if, as if those states and those fan bases match up. These are problems that other conferences really don't have. Um, and on one hand, you know, the Big Ten has been able to find this consensus at the at the end of the day, even as, you know, Ohio, it's you have these these different differing opinions and on the other hand right it's between the presentation and everything else just like scuzz said it's been such a tire fire the the entire aftermath from that all the way up to the restart and then there's that facet and i know we're going to get into it too that i cannot remember a more divisive issue um, where I'm looking at some of the most vociferous followers on our Twitter pages and seeing people take extreme positions that aren't even on the side I was expecting their extreme position to be on. I mean, there are so many threads tugging at this in so many different ways, and it's producing so many extreme opinions that 
you've you've just got so many forces playing against each other. And I know we're going to talk about some of those specific opinions and things, etc. But it's there's just so much going on, and it's led to so much butting of heads at this exact moment um, that you know, for right or wrong, it's just difficult to savor this in the moment, you know, as we're getting football back. What's interesting, and, um, you know, you you mentioned this, and we kind of danced around it a little bit, but, like, when the Big Ten canceled, the Pac-12 canceled later that day. And they came out, they had their doctors come out, um, they were had a unanimous vote. They were very transparent with everything, and you haven't heard a peep about them. Uh, and now, well, they, well, I mean, we're let me finish. Um, oh, you, sorry, you, sorry. You I'll haven't jump the gun. you haven't heard much from them. Um, now, just you know, Big Ten's coming back. Pac-12. Now they're starting to get a little bit of uh, momentum coming as far as potentially coming back as well. So, but. It was the Big Ten that was so divisive, and I think, guys, you've been, you've made this point several times. Just the diversity of just the different schools in the Big Ten. I mean, we talk about just the different areas of the Big Ten that you know politically lean one way or the other, and you've seen that divisiveness in the Pac-12. There isn't that divisiveness in the SEC. There isn't that divisiveness in the big in the Big Twelve. There isn't that divisiveness. Um, I hope I'm saying divisiveness well, right, but I, th- I think you are. To, to be fair, I actually think that I think John has been calling that out more. I, I I think what the one other conference where you do have that kind of spectrum of geography is the ACC. But I feel like the power structure there exactly. Is, yes, is it's, such the, it's that, who has the leverage, right? Yes, right. And and as soon as you know Notre Dame talking about joining that that conference for this season, you know, Notre Dame, Clemson, Florida state that like who, who's going to argue with those three schools in that conference and, and come out on top. And I like, I guess something I want to, I want to hit on here and it, and it relates John to what you were saying about like, like this has been so divisive and even like the three of us have had, you know, like not like we're, we're fighting with each other, but we've had some, some, really good discussions and with some of our with our with our buddies over at winning cures and everything and, and frankly i think it's been a really good like it's and it's five guys five opinions and it's yeah and that and that's reflective of the country right yeah and and opinions where like to your point john like earlier like opinions that i wouldn't have expected and that that i've had that i wouldn't have expected but i like personally it's been really good for me i'll say to 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 be engaged in this kind of direct conversation with with diff- people with differing views, and I and like, and I feel like I just like I guess I guess what I want to address are, are kind of twofold. Like first of all, to your point, John, I'm I'm very happy that we're gonna get football um, this fall. Like personally, selfishly, um, and it, it, you know it's interesting. People I've talked about this in the past. My my I've married into a Notre Dame family. It's it's um, it's fine. Uh, it's, 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 it's great at points, but um, when Notre Dame was kicking off last weekend, and you know the the family is texting each other, we all sat down to turn the game on. You know, my kids are excited. Like, I did not expect it to hurt as much as it did to have 
quote unquote real college football, but not my real college football. I mean that like, like I've been a college football junkie for 20 years and that has included, you know, dramatic consumption of, of Northwestern football, but most other college football too. Right. Like, I like there were there were nights when Sam, when you and I were living together, where we would we would rush home for the likes of Rutgers Louisville, sure. right? Because um, because that's what you did. And I like so. I mean, the thought of being a super fan this season has really waned for me. And all that being true, today's announcement, I'm I'm excited. I like I'm looking forward to it. There there is an element of. This is this is a little hard too. There's some mixed emotions, and it's not because I wanted anything to go wrong. It's not it's 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 not because I have some really you know intense like medical perspective of 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 the safety this way or the other. But I like the amount of resources being levied in the Big Ten to play football are are vast, right? To make this work, they're they're levying mass resources. And I am gl- I'm I'm appreciative that they're doing that, but it's it's hard to not look at that and see the things going on in my daughter's school or knowing colleagues whose kids can't go to school and like I wish the I wish these resources were being levied in all places and sometimes it feels unfair and I think like there's an interesting tweet that that somebody made tonight on a thread that that we're we're loosely linked to and and his comment his name's uh, uh steve f and he says responsible officials must still wrestle with the issue of athletic programs getting platinum testing not so much for the university at large much less for the community at large and, and that like that's just a really important point that like it does not make big 10 football wrong in my opinion but i think it's something we need to be thinking about as and aware of and it's it's it weighs on me a little bit right so like i'm I'm excited and I want to celebrate, but I also want to acknowledge that there's a lot of other shit going on. That's just, it's just hard to square in your mind right now. And this is, this is an unprecedented, you know, time, I think in our lives where, where we are juggling so many different things and views that are flying at us at a million miles an hour in ways that, that we haven't experienced before. So I, I don't know, like I've rambled for too no, long here, but, but I just no, to come, I, come clean a little bit on that. I, I totally hear where you're coming from. And like, just, just from, for me, I know that you know, watching the games the past couple of weeks, I've like mentally checked out. I had mentally checked out of the season. It's like, I can't allow myself to get super excited because then I just get mad that, you know, Northwestern wasn't going to be playing. And, you know, it's like, I, I didn't want to have to feel that. So I just like shut it off. It's like, I'll, I'll watch football because I love watching football, but I'm only going to like spend mental energy worrying about the games on Sundays. And it's, I, I know for me, it's going to like, I'm, I'm ecstatic that we're, we're coming back, but it's going to take a little bit to, to process and to like fire that back up again. And we, we have some time before the, before the games will begin, but you know that that's kind of where my head's been. Well, so it's there's that, and just like Scuzz was saying, I mean, I kind of think of it as there are so many like I don't know like axes or so many lines attached to so many issues that have a spectrum to them, and there's so many to line up, and and it's like where it's like where do you fall on this spectrum of this issue at one particular time, and it's kind of like there. Like the Big Ten, so to Scuzz's point, right? Um, ev- so on one hand, everything about the testing is true. It's not like you're being fed lies, okay? 
when someone like Morton Shapiro or Jim Phillips talks about the intricacies of the testing, the developments that have arisen, that is not BS. It's true. These guys have been working their butts off to try to improve all this stuff. That can be totally true. And at the same time, to Scuzz's point about watching Notre Dame last weekend and being like, where's Northwestern? You know who was feeling that way? The entire Big Ten and the entire Big Ten leadership. Yeah. Yeah. Sitting there, not playing, while they're, you know, just to throw out one random, I don't remember if it was The Athletic or who, but a reporter embedded with SMU of all teams. And SMU's walking through and be like, yep, we don't use our locker room. Look, we use the tunnel of the stadium and everything's all nice and spread out and we haven't had any positive cases and everything. And the Big Ten's sitting watching that going, son of a, right? They're just being like, everyone is playing right now. It's the optics are everyone has figured this out, etc. Okay, both things can be true, but everyone is going to come down on a different spot on the spectrum of whether you believe the Big Ten was coming back because they were watching the SEC eating their lunch. I mean, the SEC, the ACC, right, Big 12, or, you know, whether you believe towards the end of testing finally aligned in the right way for them to get this done. There's a spectrum. You could carry that right over into, say, the media. And I know we have some things we want to talk about with that, where it's like the juxtaposition between the responsibility of reporters to examine the facts. I give credit just randomly to, you know, Ella Brockway, who's getting a lot of traction for information she retweeted, but highlighted, right, of questions that were asked of, I think, of Jim Phillips at the, you know, on this press conference. Um along the lines of so players are getting this this rapid fire testing etc um this this doesn't appear it's not available to the students yet the the non-football playing students yet the football players are getting this if we're on campus too why are we not and basically phillips's response and i give him credit was just like that's a great question um we're doing the best we can we're going to try to make this work. Deferred it, a little bit, like, like kind of yeah. like the Big like, Ten is sponsoring this. The right. conference made this decision. Right. And, and, but I mean, right. And, and he's basically being like, it's, a, you know, it's a great question being like, I, I kind of, I got nothing for you other than to say you're asking a good question and I don't have a perfect answer for it. Right. So I, I think there, he, there are no perfect answers. Right. Well, the that's thing. the thing. I mean, baked into even just that one situation, right? Everyone's on a different spot on the spectrum where if you're like, it's a joke, how can the football players be getting this if the average students can't discuss this point? You know, my kid's going through such and such a school. I'm feeling the strain of this every day. And yet some college can't can't get a testing so that football players can play a football game. And someone else is on the total other end of the spectrum being like, our national consciousness needs football. Big Ten's not playing. The rest of the country isn't. This is the conference that represents. And if a couple of guys have to get a little bit more advanced of a testing to make it happen so that they can all, you know, play without, you know, play safely, then it needs to happen. It's a spectrum. Everyone's going to fall in a different place on this. And there are so many of these things. And it's like you're watching on Twitter today and it's just a million opportunities for people to just take swings at each other. Um, well, well, what's interesting, John, about those two points on that spectrum that you just called out, I, I think it harkens back to the original conversation we had about this, which when you combine 
COVID, with the social justice movement, with, with what has become very apparent about the place and value of college football and the importance of these players to the wherewithal of not just athletic departments, but these universities. How, how can you look at these student athletes and claim they are student athletes and not semi-professionals, right? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Like, oh, like yeah. everything you just said, regardless of which end of that spectrum you're on, you're either saying football is so important to our national consciousness that we need to make this, like, we need to, like, we need to do this for the people or you're saying, how is it fair that these kids are getting this and the other kids are not? Like, like the answer is very clear. And you, and you can, and because of that, you can, you can kind of catch either side in like a trap of circular logic because you can be like, well, if if you're at the forefront of players being paid and they're not, you agree that they deserve some sort of special compensation, which they're not getting. And these tests could at least be some form of that special compensation at this time. Or on the other side, it would be like, look, if you're so gung-ho about these guys that you will happily grab you know, advanced testing kits out of the hands of regular students and hand them to football players so you could get their foot so you can get your football in. Don't you think maybe these guys should be paid to play football? It's like every <laughs> there's just you could go around and around on this and it's it's just there's so much there. Oh. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a mess. I mean, even just talking about it like makes your head spin. So it, it does kind of hurt your head. I do want to, I want to go back to the testing real quick because yeah. I think there's something that's really important to call out. And that is, I mean, like this, this, when we talked about this a month or so ago, right? Like, like my general premise was, I don't like, I, I think the liability that the schools would be under if a player or a, or a assistant coach or whomever, as unlikely as it might be, you know, got sick, et cetera. Like, I, I just don't think that they can, they can, they can supply protocols right now that could quote unquote, keep people safe, not keep people from getting COVID. Cause that's, you know, that's not possible. Right. But I like, they can't put stuff in place that could keep people safe enough to, to minimize liability. If something horrible did happen. Right. But the advances that have happened in testing. So at that time, let's just rewind at that time, we were talking about players being tested weekly. We were talking about Many parts of the country, and this is still true in some places, but many parts of the country that couldn't get test results back within a week or longer, like labs were overrun. Um, there was no clear guidance. You saw this from different players. I think um, RCB was one of the players that that was uh, that was asking these questions, like, "What happens if there's a positive test? Like, how do you do contact tracing? How do you like how do you put basic basic things in place to keep us?" Um, you know, moderately safe. And, and there were not answers to those things. The advent of rapid testing, first of all, changes the equation that now you can test players daily. The test does not have to get sent to a lab immediately. Like they, they can get results in 15 minutes. That allows you to essentially make sure before the start of every practice, before the start of every film session, if you want, certainly before the start of every game, you can clear everybody, and and I and and if you were listening during the NFL's first weekend, you would hear them talk about things like like coaches, you know, who were talking about how you know how different this was. Like, I learned at 9 a.m. today that all my players were good to go. Like, we were able to play today, right? Like, the Big Ten has now adopted, it, it, like 
to me, it feels like it's even even a step beyond those things because they're talking about a test that can identify players before they're they're contagious. Um, I'm sure that's not a hundred percent right, but the 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 expectation now can be that that you have set protocols in place with daily tests and with with tests that are this advanced and this rapid. If you follow the protocols, I believe that you can expect zero player to player trans transmission during practices or during games. And you, you've essentially, you've essentially now got a technological method to create a bubble on the field. That's something that was not possible a month ago. Um, given that teams have been playing for several weeks and there has not like the world hasn't fallen apart, right? I mean, there's, there's thousands of students on campuses that have, that have tested positive and we haven't seen, you know, debt, like, a significant number of hospitalizations, et cetera, right? Like, like there's enough, there's enough things stacking up from an evidence standpoint that it starts to feel like, wow, we can still do this. The risk is not zero. Let me be clear. The risk is not zero. And, and players and, and, are going and, to it, engage in this at their own, you know, volition, but like we've come a long, long way in a month. And even with that, you're still seeing games getting canceled because mm-hmm. of COVID testing. Like I, I think what twenty some odd games have been canceled over the first two or three weeks of football, and you know, so it it's not perfect. But like you said, having this testing goes such a long way. And I can already hear detractors saying, "Well, why did you cancel in August? Why didn't you just wait like the SEC did?" You know, I I I can't tell you how many times I've seen like tweets coming out like. Why did why didn't you wait? And it's like, you know, ah, I I don't know how to wrap my head around. Like, you you have to make the decision based on the evidence that you have. Like, you you have to make a call. You can't just kick it you know kick it down the can. Maybe maybe it's gonna work out for for the SEC. Like they they kicked it down, but like, you know, it's I, I, I don't know. Yeah. So I mean, I. Th- that's like a whole again so many flipping strands here and i'm like my god if we just keep on pulling these all night but it's i mean it's good we've been away from this and it's good to to pull at these just to go back to what what you were talking about when you started sam and what scuzz was talking about um the the testing thing first of all totally agree um personally one of the things that made me so annoying uh, so annoyed about the cancellation initially was my belief that, and again, this is reflected in like the education system nationally and so many other things and roads that I don't even want to go down, but was my firm belief that if the Big Ten didn't cancel, they would have a better testing protocol than anyone else. And that whatever the SEC was doing, whatever the ACC was doing, whatever the Big 12 was doing, the Big Ten would be better than that. And politics factors into that and a lot of other things. And I mean, just the the fact that you have a school like Rutgers that's in that, you know, that zone, that proximity and all the things that go along with that and that everything would be really stringent. And it's it was my belief that it's kind and again, it's kind of reflective of the education system, too, that that my feeling that the group that would have done it the best instead chose not to do it at all. And we didn't get the opportunity to see the very best protocol put in place. With that said, I still believe that just as much. And now 
Scuzz, to Scuzz's point, the new developments are substantial, very substantial, and very real. So on one hand, I was pissed when they canceled because I believed they would have been able to do a good job. On the other hand, when you see all this hand-wringing online, I'm like, oh my gosh, well, they're saying if they even get above like a 7.5% player threshold or this or that, and now they have to go eight straight weeks. Folks, this is going to be a not a quarantine, not a quote-unquote bubble, but these are going to be 14 of the tightest ships you will see. <laughs> I, I, just want, I just want to break in real quick. Like breaking news as as we're recording this, I'm, I'm looking on Twitter. Uh, USC and UCLA athletic directors got together and got approval needed from uh, LA County to begin practicing once the Pac-12 signs off on return to play. So like the Pac-12 is going to be coming back. It, it, it and it's a fast follow. Yeah. yeah, and that's and that's California. And honestly, I think you know. The, the feeling with everyone with the Pac-12, they were the ones that we all knew were going to cancel because of California. And to talk to discuss, you know, who's who's got the power, who's got the influence, California, like the Palouse ain't driving the Pac-12. Let's just put it that way, okay? Um, it's California. And I think a lot of people this week in particular and last week are, you know, if the, everyone's like, everyone's like the Big Ten, like Big Ten, what the hell are you going to do? Are you in or are you out? And everyone's looking at the Pac-12 like, you guys got bigger things to worry about. Do what you feel. We support you. Come back. Don't come back, Pac-12. The nation is with you. Make your choice. So it's like, I, I mean, if they are able to play football out there, God be with them because what that what that side of the country is having to deal with right now. Um, the, but, there, is, there is a stodgy arrogance to the Big Ten. Oh, for historically. sure. And, yeah. and, um, and this... this How shall I say? Um, I mean, let's be clear. The Big Ten universities have an academic pedigree that supersedes, I would say, all the other Power Five conferences, right? Like, that's pretty clear, right? Yeah, I mean, the Pac-12 yeah. Pac has some schools in there, but I think all in all, the Big Ten as a whole, academically, yeah. Yes. Yeah, and, and, and they, they, they have wielded that like a cudgel. Um, you know, Jim Delaney was not shy about trumpeting the Big Ten's success, et cetera. I think during conference realignment, um, the Big Ten ruffled a lot of feathers the way they they, they approach things. And the, the fact of the matter is, is they have the money and the eyeballs and the pedigree, and they've used that to their advantage. I think, I think, I think that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way because I think when the Big Ten canceled, it was... Um, I think they expected everyone else to follow suit. I think they did, and frankly, I did as well. Yeah. Let's be clear. And, and 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 John, you were of the three of us. You were the one that said, you know, we're going to see what happens. I, like you disagreed with that with that premise, and 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 you've been, you've been the one that, that that turned out to be right here. Um, but I like there's this this arrogance factor that was that was never true about the Pac-12, and then on top of it, the Pac-12 was super transparent. Like, hey, here's the PowerPoint that that we went through that talks about the medical things that are worrying us, yada, yada, yada. And the big 10 just seemed to have this, you know, come on, don't, don't question us. Don't push back on us. Like we made this decision. Kevin Warren said, we will not revisit it. Like there, there was almost this, this innate stubbornness that um, 
is no surprise to anybody who is who has followed this conference over time, right? That that, that this is the the attitude coming from the Big Ten. I also think that what's been very clear over the past four weeks in the Big Ten is just how far apart the the presidents of the universities are from their athletic directors in terms of how they view the world, and like like it it has taken them time to all get together and and, and talk through this. And I, like a great example, the president of the University of Michigan is an epidemiologist, and months ago like he said major infectious disease epidemiologist yes yeah like like this is this is his wheelhouse and he basically said like if we don't have students on campus we're not having football like like that was his line in the sand and i think it is you know you can see how it has taken a lot of time for the, this group to kind of come together and understand I still think that the giant flaming couch in the corner of the room that weighs 800 pounds uh, and has a gorilla on it is the fact that we've just clearly earmarked these players as, as being semi-professionals. Um, but we've, we've already kind of hit that point enough. So maybe, maybe we can move oh. on at this stage. Well, so I, I think too, it, it's, it's really important to, to filter all this. There are a couple really key points. Um, one you mentioned the president of Michigan, president of all caps, Michigan, was firmly against this from the beginning in a blue state where at the time Gretchen Whitmer was taking a really forward review. So like, understand, aside from the rank and file Michigan fans, Michigan from the beginning was united and a driving force to cancel the season. And I think literally just flipping Michigan would have made a titanic difference. Because if Michigan and Ohio State from the very beginning were like, no, we don't want to cancel and we're loud and proud about it, like that would have made a giant difference. And I mean, you just have to look at the rest of the leagues in the country and look at the, the way the wind blew with the power structure. But to throw that out like it is nothing, when you're comparing the state of Michigan and the state of Ohio, a blue state and a red state, I mean, it kind of goes with... Um, the, the whole idea of what we're talking about, um, that it's, it, that's not an accident. And it's not an accident, too, that one of the things that happened in the run-up to this over the past couple of weeks was Michigan resuming the play of fall high school sports. They were one of the first states, I think, to cancel. And they decided to resume high school sports. A lot of big Northwestern recruits started playing high school football again. And when, it was when that, that... When that domino fell, that, that felt like the first in the chain reaction to me. Right, be, right. Because then I was like, okay, if Michigan decides to reverse course, their state is going to support them. So then quickly you have Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State. I mean, these are the things that it takes. And I think, you know, to, to the, your point about the arrogance and your point about the moving, I do truly believe, and this is something that we all kind of learned about in the whole aftermath of all of this, is there... People will talk about, oh my gosh, there wasn't any consensus at all. There was this vote. There wasn't this vote. And you get the initial report that it's Michigan, that it's Iowa and Nebraska against. And then you later find out that it's Ohio State against also, which is a big ad. And I think the reason there was so much disparity there was, um, and I forget who, which of you said it earlier, but I truly believe that they thought and egged on in no small part by the news media that when the Big Ten and the Pac-12 made their decisions, those would be the dominoes that would push everyone else over. And I think you have all these different groups in the Big Ten thinking, 
a president of so-and-so, and like you said, disagreements between athletic directors, presidents, but everyone kind of feeling, look, we can all read the tea leaves. We can see more people are against, are for canceling than against canceling overall in this conference. And once we all just go with this, everyone else is going to cancel anyway. So let's just do this. And at some point, Kevin Warren, Kevin, you know, Kevin Warren's like, all right, I'm, I'm making an announcement. And everyone's like, all right, he's making an announcement. Let's just get this over. We've all been circling this drain for like a couple of weeks. Just, just do it. And then everyone well, well, else. It- in the midst of that, too, though, like you can imagine all these presidents are also I mean, Michigan State at the time had basically told its students stay home if you can. Right. Yeah. They're all we're, like, we're de- like, fine. We're dealing with like, stuff. Yeah. They were focused. Their focus was elsewhere. And that like the 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 the, the gulf between athletic directors and presidents, I think, was just well, well on display. Well, it's like to your, you know, a throwaway line in the famous hot mic catch of the president <laughs> of Nebraska was the last line. Where the guy asked him, well, it's great. This will take that off your plate. And the guy's like, this is never leaving our plate. But at least it's like a step in the right direction. He's thinking, look, this ain't going anywhere. Like, it's not like COVID's not on my campus anymore. He's thinking like, look, yeah, no, nothing's leaving my plate. But I think, you know, and and then subsequently what happened? The exact opposite happened. No one else canceled. And suddenly everyone's coming to these people. You have all these furious athletes, um, you know, parents, etc. And then people coming to these people and being like, well, what was the vote? Tell us what the vote is. And all these guys are like, to your point, this guy's thinking, I've got X number, you know, I've got 500 morons who threw a kegger last week and now half of them have COVID. And I'm having to answer questions about what my vote was with Kevin Warren or whatever. I just thought we were all going to be canceled by this point. Um, and, and we're not, and it's, and you know, it, it's part of the reason where this big mess came thrown. But again, there's just so many parts to this. Should we talk about what we're going to be looking at this year? I, I think, you know, we can, we can, uh, you want to get to my time for enjoyment? Yeah. That would be let's, 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 let's shift. Yeah. Let, let's, uh, I mean, there's still so much to discuss on that front and we will do so as we move forward. Cause the games aren't going to be starting until, uh, end of October so you know we still got five or six weeks uh before well is that right I it's so it's late into September I've completely what is time I don't even know um but yeah so we got four or five weeks before we're gonna see games but uh what's interesting is that in the announcement today uh Big Ten said eight games plus one uh championship week but championship week is you know, and we, we'll talk about that as well. But championship week is not just the Big Ten title game, but it's the number two team from the East playing the number two team from the West. Three plays three, four plays four. So, you know, you could theoretically get the Rutgers v. Illinois, who's the worst in the Big Ten game, which <laughs> would excite me to no end to just watch the flames happening around that. Hot Please, take. Uh, we should do this every year. Oh, hell yeah. Hey. Hey, and don't if if it's those two teams, don't you dare play that in a dome at the beginning of December. I want that on a snow covered field. It will. It won't be at the beginning of December, my guy. It's going to be like December nineteenth, end of December. <laughs> I, I don't. I I want that in Rutgers, not Piscataway. I want it in a parking lot on the Jersey Shore, in a raging blizzard. That's what I I demand. So uh, so eight games. Um, schedule hasn't been announced but you know we're like i said earlier we're we're starting to see some chatter about what that might look like 
obviously there's going to be six division games. Um, what I what I saw that was really really interesting was one potential. Um, again, have no idea. Like this is not properly sourced at all. It's just a, an idea that was thrown out there that I I kind of got excited about um, for for the cross divisional matchups. Uh, going into this season, the East was going to have one extra home game. So in a nine-game schedule, there were five home games in the East, four home games in the West. So, um, you know, West teams would have to play two Eastern teams on the road and one at home. Um, you know, each every team has their quote-unquote traditional rival, right? Uh, their, their, cross, uh, con- their cross-divisional rival. So... With that, this season it was going to be your 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 annual cross divisional rival. What game was going to be played in an Eastern Division uh, stadium? So, what the I, I'm doing a terrible job describing this. I apologize. So basically, what it all ends up down to is if this model holds accurate, Northwestern would be looking at um, as we were going into the season, we had road games at Michigan State and Penn State. And then a home game against Maryland. If this model holds true, we would be dropping the Penn State game. So, so is is Michigan State our cross division? Michigan State is our cross division rival. I think through either this year or next year. It, it's, oh, I it's don't gonna, think I, I don't think I knew it's that. Gonna it's going to shift. It's going to shift to Maryland. It's about to yeah, shift to Maryland. You stop and process how many times we've played Michigan State in the past couple it makes of years. Every single it makes year. Sense. And I I believe we're shifting that to to Maryland. Um, either next year, next year or the year after. I, I don't know exactly when, but that cross divisional match, the rival. Yeah, it's not really a rivalry in our case, um, but it, it's shifting. But uh, yeah, so Michigan State, we've seen them every single year for the past ever, um, and then the, the other games have been rotating. So if this spot holds true, dropping Penn State, and we we did our Penn or, State preview. I mean, we're going to have to kick this can so many times in the next couple of weeks, but this will be one of the easiest schedules in the Big Ten. And it's when that sinks in, you really start to think about it because it, it's, it really is. There are going to be very few truly terrifying teams on our schedule. There are a couple that are real tough outs, but... This is as good a schedule as anyone in the conference is going to get. If to Sam's point, that comes to fruition. But shouts to, you know, I, I think the folks at Inside NU, they were the first to kind of crunch this and quickly jump to be like, well, that means it's going to be Michigan State and Maryland. And I, I mean, if that's who it is and you want to make certain assumptions about this Northwestern team and what it's capable of, there is a lot of meat on this bone. Yeah, so, um, you know... We're going to have to obviously revisit our our previews. Um, there were a few we didn't get to, uh, and we're going to have to dig those back up and then take into account anyone who's opted out. Um, obviously, some big names or, left. Or who may opt back or in. Or who yeah, may right. opt back in, yeah. Um, you know, obviously, Rashawn Slater opting out for Northwestern. Um, doesn't seem likely that he would come back, um, I guess, you know, when Fitz was being interviewed by Dave Revson this morning, he didn't unequivocally shut the door on that. But uh, again, if you're going to be a top 10 pick in the draft, um, it go take care of your business. 
don't get hurt, and then just get yourself right for the for the draft because top ten pick. I mean, come on. Yeah, right. I mean, there's there's a whole bunch of other things that like variables that we just it's hard to to dive in and 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 make any prognostications right now, right? We don't know the order of the schedule and, and who we're going to play when. Um, we don't know if any of the home aways are going to be shifting uh, or changing. Like you could imagine how like. I don't know, TV or other, other events or things could, could influence some of that. Um, the other reality is like, if you, like eight games plus one from October 24th, I mean, you're like, you're basically finishing the weekend before Christmas and there is no margin for error. So, you know, we've already seen uh, a couple of big 12 games get canceled. Virginia, Virginia tech next weekend. I think army BYU, yep. um, Houston, Memphis are all, all like, big games that have been postponed and the, you know, testing and all those other, those other, those other things, which are fantastic that, that the big 10 has put together. It does not inoculate them from, you know, having to move a game or postpone a game or, or, or whatnot. Like that's, that's a very real possibility. So um, if that I, happens, it, like, it is real. Who, I am thinking of what Justin Fields would do if he caught one of his offensive linemen trying to step out to go to some sort of <laughs> off campus mixer. Can you imagine? Oh my God. Oh. Homicide not out of the question. Some of these guys finally getting well. I like down. Ohio State is not the team I'm worried about. I feel like those guys are like they're committed yeah. to the to the to the idea that they have a great shot at winning a national championship right this year, right? But like, I don't know. Rutgers, I did. Th- that, I, I that, did th- that Jersey Shore is calling. You know, I was gonna. I was gonna say I did think about the fact of the proverbial teams leaving the bubble, right? If there are some team, right, exactly. If it quickly becomes clear to a team like Rutgers that it's like, look, we ain't winning a single game of this eight. So, like, guys check out, and it's like, right, they are an opponent other people need to play to get a win. So, right, it could, there is that possibility. You think Shiano would let that go down his first year back? I mean, Shiano did, like, oversee a, a <laughs> outbreak of say. sorts in the NFL <laughs> well, locker room that, that he was fair. in charge of. That so, like, fair. I, like... <laughs> All bets are off with regards to Rutgers. Good point. I stand corrected. Yeah, I will. I will return to you know my statement that I do believe that this is going to be a really tight ship. Um, I, I, I do. Maybe you know, maybe I, I, my faith is mis- misplaced, but um, I believe that these teams are really going to lock it down, especially since you know, from the perspective of the players. There's that. There's always that thing. You know, this is something that was taken away from them that they thought was lost and. And now has been given back to them. And that's always going to give something value that it wouldn't have otherwise had. Like these guys want this. Those guys that are in these locker rooms, anyone who doesn't opt out, these guys are all in. Like they want this bad. Um, And I think that that's going to be a driving thing. But heck, let's even step outside of COVID for a second, right? I mean, you're talking eight, eight weeks, nine weeks in a row in cold weather. Like guys are going to get banged up. Guys are going to get, I mean, it's, it's going to be a war of attrition for the teams that arrive, you know, at the championship game at the end. Um, and and it's, it really especially, is. especially you're seeing, you know, in, in the NFL, in the college games that are, have been going on, um, an increase in like soft tissue injuries because they, they, you haven't had the run up, you know, the proper conditioning going into the season. So you have benches are like, we're going to be looking three, four deep on the depth chart, I think, across the board this year. And that's not even bringing in, like, that's just injuries, not even from, like, an execution standpoint. I'm wondering how many Big Ten teams are just going to start going for two 
a couple weeks into the season after every touchdown. I'm just like, we witnessed like what happened to the kicking game in the NFL as a result of like this messed up schedule. Um, and then a couple of the other colleges, you know, there's, there's just been some atrocious special teams play. And, I, you know, it's going to rear its head in the Big Ten, too. If you don't think the New England Patriots strategy of just running downhill with Cam Newton a lot wasn't like <laughs> yeah. partially informed by everything you guys just said, like, I mean, like, 100%. I do, I do want to call attention to, you know, I know I talked about Notre Dame earlier, and I'm going to talk about them again now. Like, for those who weren't paying attention, you know, Notre Dame had a um, – their students went back to campus in early August – uh, I can't remember. If cl- I can't remember exactly when classes started, but um, like they had a pretty bad outbreak on campus. Of you know, there were some off-campus parties, and 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 um, there were a lot of positive tests running through through the senior class as a result. And um, Notre Dame ba- like canceled in-person classes. They said everybody go back, to, like go to your homes, go to your dorms, don't leave. We're going to shut everything down for two weeks, and we'll see if we can contain this. And if we can't, we're going to send you all home. And the students actively, I mean, to to your point, John, about the players on these teams and wanting to be there and wanting to make this work, like the students and the players, I think Ian Book kind of, you know, posted some things, kind of of pleading with people to to do the right thing. They got it under control. And, like, it's, it's, I'm not trying to, like, you know, laud them for something necessarily, but, like, they, like, you you can operate if you follow the protocols if you do what you're supposed to do right like you can keep this thing in check to a certain degree and i just it's worth it's worth pointing out that i think unfortunately we have seen kind of school after school um almost have to learn this of their own volition i just i just hope that the big 10 and the big 10 schools are are able to you know, drive this point home, not just with their football teams, with the, but with, with everybody on campus to to do the right thing and in a way that doesn't screw it up for everybody, right? Um, yeah, Bar- so, Barry Alvarez uh, on the uh, press conference today was basically telling, saying that all of the, the football players are going to have to go out and be leaders. Uh, yeah. Leaders in, in the, on campus. And I, I, I think that what he really wanted to say is if they do, then they can all really be legends as well. <laughs> Hi-o. Hi-o. Oh, good one, Sammy. That was, oh, man. Uh, awesome. That, uh, what, what, a, what a throwback. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So, Throw back so, to another another era that we want we quickly moved on from. <laughs> was it was it only one year no, that the legends it, and no, leaders was, conference divisions? It was like how many years was it? It was. It was until Maryland and Rutgers joined. So it was. It started when Nebraska came in, and then twenty eleven. Twenty eleven, and it went until I think twenty four. It was like three or four years of leaders and legends. Yeah. Folks, if you don't know what we're talking about, when the Big Ten split into two divisions, they effing named them Legends and Leaders. Not East and West. Legends and Leaders. Well, and and, like, even, and the, the, the division splits were not geographic either. So Right. Even yeah. even ACC yeah. Atlantic and ACC yeah. Coastal raised their glass and were like, yeah. cheers yeah. to you. That, that's, that, that stodgy arrogance I talked about earlier. <laughs> yeah. Full on display. Yeah. Um, so I, a couple things just quickly piggy piggy on piggybacking on that one is you know to your point about people coming together and everything i also think you know to everyone who 
the the whole again spectrums, but the whole issue of preferential, you know, athletes getting all of this testing, et cetera, and stuff. And it's like, um, on one hand, it is true that a lot of that is baked into the fact of our national need for football and like the importance that everyone agrees to this and discusses this point about, well, that's why the athletes should be paid and everything. But with the entire eyes of, you know, the, the nation on a place like the Big Ten and this rapid testing, you're going to see the way that a lot of this cutting edge stuff works and everyone's going to get a real public view of this. So when people talk about all of these things, all these things that the Big Ten presidents are saying, look, this has only just come onto our plate now. Well, this is cutting edge stuff. So we are all going to get a chance to watch this play out. And if, fingers crossed, a lot of it plays out successfully, that's going to do a lot for the psyche of the nation and the belief that this is something that we can do and we can all put these things in place, et cetera. And it's, it's not, not to say that like football is this like cure-all, but it does matter. And it does matter that there are these things in place. And, you know, it, it does help, I think, heal people psychologically a little bit if they see something in a real high-profile way working and think that it can work for them. So that's one other little benefit. And then the one other thing that I would throw in, just because... We haven't mentioned it at all. Um, and I know, you know, there was the whole thing with Sean Wade and Sean Wade's father. And then, you know, Dylan McCaffrey's transferring today and um, out of Michigan. And, of course, his famous family um, has been kind of very vociferous. And, you know, they're one of these people where I think, you know, it's not on her, it's not out of the question that part of the reason he's transferring is that the start date is not early enough for them. Um, and, you know, and there, there are other reasons, too. But lost in all of that drama and everything is that there are families of Big Ten football players. Um, it's, you know, you've got a lot of kids who are seniors. This is their big year. Their families are, you know, really tied up in this. And, and we're not talking about all NFL, future NFL players here. We're talking about just guys that have worked their butts off at schools like Northwestern. And this is the culmination of all that work and all that time. And behind all of those kids are their families who like really care about this and are really supporting them and have been really, you know, working to help them through it. And they are all going to get football now. And I think that's just, it's just nice. It's great. Some of those families are kind of in our listening audience or in our Twitter audience. And I just feel great that they are getting what they deserve, you know, that they're getting their moment to play. It's just nice. Anything else we need to talk about tonight, guys? I mean, we've really covered a lot, and there's still a lot yet to talk about. I mean, the schedule is going to be coming. Um, you know, we're hearing by the end of the week. Uh, hopefully, you know, we'll know more. I think Fitz said that uh, they're going to be firing up to like full practice uh, early part of next week. I think you know it's Wednesday as we're recording this, so you know they're uh, today's the first day of classes at Northwestern. So you know, welcome back to school, guys. Um, but yeah, so practice, I think we'll start for, for realsies, uh, coming up early part of next week. Um, like I say, a lot still left to cover. Um, yeah. Anything else we need to hit on before we get out of here tonight? I, I just wanted to say, I know we were all over the place in this pod, but I hope you guys appreciate that. You know, we're just trying to talk through this. There's, there's so much here, which I feel like, you know, we've said a bunch of times, there's so many different angles to this. You can go on the internet and see a million different battles on subject we've talked about. And even, you know, on aspects of this we haven't really talked about. 
we're just trying to work through it. We've been on this hiatus just like the Big Ten has. We, you know, we had our one moment to talk about some 1995 glory with Lake the Post. But aside from that, you know, we've we've just been incubating on all this too, and we're just trying to get at it in as many ways as possible. So I, I know it's going to be messy at times, but hopefully you guys are with us. Yeah, this this speaking of Michigan, this might be the Bills too hard in talking, but I guess I don't know. I guess I just want to say, and this is maybe just from a, like a personal growth slash learning perspective. Like if you find yourself really entrenched on one one extreme side of this issue or the other I, like try to move in 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 a, in a direction of 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 the middle a little bit if not if not in you know you you can you can have your opinion about what you think should be done but at least understand the arguments on the other side or or the arguments that are you know um more central than yours. I th- like, I just, I think it's important right now with everything going on across 75 different spectrums of our, of our culture and our country to, um, to listen to each other. I, I, I know. I, 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 I think you're spot on. And I was you know trying to figure out how to say that earlier uh, tonight, but like the biggest, the biggest key is, is listening. And, you know, if you, if you have disagreements and like, like, you know, we talking about with our, our buddies over at Winning Cures Everything. I mean, five guys, five different opinions, but at least we're all listening to each other and, you know, leaving some room to change minds. And like, I, I feel like my thoughts have changed and evolved throughout all of this time and, you know, will continue to change and evolve as we move forward. But like the, the key is to listen and to be open to hear. Exactly. You guys are absolutely right. And the only thing I would fold into that is is just let's apply it specifically to the Northwestern community. We've got many high profile people in journalism, out of journalism, in sports, out of sports, right? Um, you know, you could throw us into this group, but everyone, you know, coming out and a lot of people with some really very strong public opinions on this. And you kind of feel like a lot of people within the Northwestern community being like, all right, so whose banner am I going to run under in this kind of situation? And it's like, hey, you don't have to pick. We're all one big, happy, purple family here. It's like we can have we can have a debate. We can all kind of come together on this. We're all going to get to watch our cats play now. Um, and, you know, it's it, it all matters. And to Scuzz's point, it's right. It's like instead of trading blows with someone else from the Northwestern community, you know, on Twitter or wherever else, you know, let's try to find that common ground. Right. And hopefully, you know, we can find find some good on the field, off the field um, and then kind of in hopefully in October start enjoying some football. <sighs> it's good to be back, boys. Kumbaya, 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 it, MFers. It is, it is good to be back, folks. Uh, we ho- hope, you know, several of you reached out and been like, "Hey, when are you guys starting up again?" Well, now there's football, so we're back, um, and it's, it's my time for enjoyment. Got my hair done up and everything, so. Um, did you, did hope, you get yourself pretty for us tonight, John? I, I did. I'm so pretty. So. <laughs> I haven't showered in days. So. Good to know. Well, it's, it's lockdown central here at the uh, at the Scouts by Household, guys. Um, well, we we'd love to hear from you. Uh, our our listeners have been re- you guys have been amazing at reaching out to us. We we want to hear from you where you're at, where, what you're thinking, um, how you're feeling about everything as we uh, you know move forward into this next phase of of re- of rebirth. I, I 
don't even know if that's the right word, but like restarting of the, of this season, um, reach out to us. M- M- mulligan? Is this yeah. a mulligan I, season? I think, I think it is a mulligan. For the Big Ten? Yeah, I, think, I think that's spot on. Um, but yeah, reach out to us. Uh, you know, hit us up on Twitter. Shoot us an email. Um, you know, we, we love we love talking to you guys. Um, we value that conversation a lot, and let, let's let's keep talking because you know that that's we have something positive to talk about. Uh, so with that, we'll go ahead and leave it there for tonight. Uh, head to our website westlawpirates.com where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at westlawpirates. Email the show westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics and look for us in the west lot of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Scasblind and Sam Walter, thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.